This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those Voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today... My hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. It's so great to be here with all of you, and we have a wonderful show for you today. Joining me in just a moment will be Tiffany Dufu, the founder and CEO of The Crew, and she's also the author of Drop the Ball. Tiffany's held several key leadership roles throughout her life and now is fulfilling her mission to help elevate girls and women, and I'm so thrilled to have her with me. Be sure to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors, bringing you the latest news in technology, finance, marketing, healthcare, legal affairs, 
affairs, nonprofit, and the military. And we continue to expand our watch team and always looking for more women to be a part of the show as we move into new markets. So if you're interested in learning more, feel free to email laura at womentowatch.net. That's L-A-U-R-A at women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And as always, you can learn all things about the show by visiting our website at womentowatch.net. And be sure to download the podcast um, so that you never miss the show. So now I'm very excited and honored to welcome to the show Tiffany Dufu, again, author, founder, and CEO of The Crew. Tiffany, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Susan. It's so great to be here. You know, I really enjoyed my kind of homework, I'll say, digging in and, and reading and learning more about you. And um, actually, I think some of your colleagues have been previous guests on the show. Um, I know you've met some incredible people throughout your career so far. And um, as always, I want to start out with with your beginning and give our listeners a sense of where you've come from um, and how and why the work that you're doing today is so important to you. So I I wanted to start out with this quote because I think it's really powerful. Um, You said in in another interview, I couldn't save my mom from the cycle of poverty and addiction, but I am so grateful that she gave me the strength to believe in myself. And I think that's so um, powerful because it speaks to that desire that your mom had for you, even though she couldn't kind of beat her own demons. And I, you know, I had two questions for you around that. Number one, why or how, I should say, do you think that you yourself escaped that cycle? Um, Where did that resilience come from in you? Well, my parents broke the cycle, uh, so I never personally had to escape it. In fact, I didn't know that it existed until much later um, in my life. My parents are originally from Watts, uh, L.A. I was conceived in the 1970s. It was a rough place. It was a rough time. My mom was 18 years old uh, when she found out that she was pregnant with me. Fortunately, she had an uncle who was an army recruiter. So she had some sense that there was something outside of her environment. And if you've ever been someone who's had a sense that I'm in this bubble, I'm in this environment, I'm in this experience, but I know there's something bigger. I know there's something greater for me that, you know, that was my mom at 18. And so between the big foreboding uncle and my mom, my dad was convinced to get married and join the army. (laughs) And I was born at Fort Lewis army base in Tacoma. Washington. So my dad, who had to kick an addiction to even be able to pass the physical exam to get into the military, eventually went to college on the GI Bill. He earned a PhD in theology. I grew up in a nice house with a white picket fence around it. My mom was what I call a non-paid working mom. Uh, some people call them stay-at-home moms, but uh, they don't they don't spend a lot of time at home. Uh, they're they're doing a lot of carpooling and taking care of kids in the community. So. Uh, all, we're all working moms. Some of us are compensated for our labor. Some of us are not. And it wasn't until my parents got divorced when I was 16 and I discovered that all of the social, political, economic capital that 
I thought was our families, of course at 16 I would not have articulated it that way, was really our father's because he was the one who had the college education, who worked outside of the home, he was the beacon in the community, he had the awards, he had access to the economic power uh, and was the economic power base of our family, um, that I then saw my mom spin back into that cycle of poverty and addiction and violence that my parents had actually broken with my generation. And for me, based on, first of all, the fact that we live in the greatest nation on earth, um, that that actually can provide those opportunities for families to break such cycles in one generation, but also based on this fundamental truth that if you want something you've never had before, you're going to have to do something that you've never done before in order to get it. So my mother spinning back into those cycles was very challenging for me because I was not familiar with any of them. Uh, all I knew was that we would be sent to, you know, stay overnight with church folks when my parents needed to go back to LA for a funeral. And I was brought up in a very different environment than my parents in which they experimented in so many ways. And one of the ways that they experimented was through the use of affirmations, which is a big, important part of my journey today. Mm -hmm. Every day, my mother would tell me as if it was the first time she was telling me as if she hadn't told me the day before, Tiffany, you are so smart. You're so loved. You're so beautiful. She would look at me in my eyes and tell me that every day. And I believed her, uh, but she didn't have a mom, you know, like mine. So she, she really struggled. And that is really the source of my purpose and my passion for advancing women and girls, which is why I'm on the planet. And what I wake up for every day is, is to say thank you to her um, for breaking that cycle and for doing what she needed for me to do so that I would have a very different experience. Wow. It, um, tell me about your relationship with your dad and, and how he helped you get into college. Yes, he's amazing. Uh, my dad became effectively a single dad uh, when I was when I was 16. I did for a time uh, stay with my mom initially, like many kids do in that in that circumstance. But unfortunately, she was just in a really terrible situation, and and so I, I left, and my younger sister left as well. We went to live with our dad, and uh, he was you know a much he was a disciplinarian. He had been a military man, remember? Uh, so he wasn't nearly as fun or cool. <laughs> to, to, to a 16 year old, but he provided right. stability. You know, the thing about young people is that we know what we really need. Um, and many of us need structure. We don't, we bucket structure. We don't like rules, but we actually crave them, uh, in yes. a way. Yes. And so I was very confident, especially in seeing my mom's circumstances that I wanted to go to college, that I wanted to be successful and very specifically that I, wanted to be financially free. You know, I saw how, you know, my mother's kind of economic dependence on men left her in a, in a precarious situation. And I was really committed to leveraging my good grades um, and my ingenuity to ensure that regardless of my partnership status in the future, I always earned enough that I could care for myself and potentially future children. 
Yeah, it's interesting to me how often I hear that, that the driver or the ambition, I should say, to be independent as a woman often comes from growing up and seeing one or both parents um, struggling in that way. And I think it's, you know, when you have opportunities to speak to young girls and women, do you talk about that importance of, of, you know, being financially sound so that you can then go on to do the things that are meaningful? Yes, absolutely. I talk about that. And I also talk about living for something larger than yourself. I am both propelled by wanting to be economically secure and have financial freedom. I'm also very driven by the responsibility and the gratitude that I feel toward the people who came before me. You know, when you understand your history and the cycles of perpetual trauma and violence that happened from my parents being descendants, you know, of slaves uh, in this country, then you have a sense of if they were able to get me this far, then I can get myself and my kids and my family and the people that I come into contact with even further. So I'm also very much propelled by wanting to achieve impact as as a responsibility to the past and as a way to express gratitude to the people who have invested in me. Mm, That's beautiful. I love that. Listen, we're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, you'll hear more from Tiffany Dufu. Stay with us for our watch team. Now the women to watch health watch. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers and to all of you who nurture and embrace someone who's missing their mother, maybe an aunt, teacher, big sister or big brother. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we talked about the most common forms of arthritis, including osteoarthritis from wear and tear, and the inflammatory types like rheumatoid arthritis. Listen to the whole show on yourradiodoctor.net. Let's talk about another cause for arthritis. Lyme disease is on the uptick, caused when a bacteria called Borrelia enters your system after a bite from a black-legged tick. Left untreated, it can cause arthritis and other serious issues. We think of a deer tick after hiking through the woods or working in your yard. Here's the news. Now you have to be careful about the dunes on the beach. Yes, in recent years, ocean towns have been building up their dunes, and we're seeing more bunnies and fox that carry ticks and spread Lyme, also on mice and maybe your dog. Early symptoms, headache, fatigue, fever, muscle soreness, days to weeks after a bite. Up to 80% have a rash, a circle of red around a ring of clear skin, red dot in the middle, a bullseye. Some patients don't get the rash for early symptoms. Left untreated can spread to the heart, nervous system, triggering abnormal heart rhythms, meningitis, Bell's palsy, which is a facial drop, or even memory loss. Arthritis, painful swelling, usually in the knees. Slowly remove a tick by its head with fine-tipped tweezers. Take a picture. Blood tests need time to turn positive, so testing can be negative early on. Even if started late, antibiotics are still successful in most cases, and most people improve over time. Prevention is key, especially late spring, early summer, and early fall. Check clothes and body after outdoors, scalp, armpits, groin, back of knees, waist, your children too. Use insect repellent, treat your clothing and gear with permethrin. Tuck your shirt into your pants and your pant legs into your socks. Painful swollen knee? Remember to check for Lyme disease. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. 
Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. The past couple of weeks, I've been talking about advancements in technology that have accelerated over the past year. Our team at Pathways has been giving advancements in technology in the workplace a lot of thought, and this weekend we'll be submitting a solution they envision for the future contactless delivery in the workplace. Imagine, if you will, that you're sitting at your desk on location at work and accidentally you spill your coffee on your keyboard. Now you need a new one. How awesome would it be if you could simply say, Alexa, spill my coffee. I need a new keyboard delivered to cubicle 43. And minutes later, a drone or a bot appears with your delivery. The Alexa request triggers off a workflow behind the scenes that's captured through a ticket or request platform, such as the one we use, ServiceNow. That ticket or request routes to the right department depending on the request. That department fulfills the request and sends the drone or bot on its way. When the drone or bot appears at your desk, you can simply say, Alexa, keyboard received at cubicle 43, and the request is considered closed. What other challenges could this level of technology solve? This type of automation will only increase efficiencies all around. For the technology industry, these types of solutions and other advancements will only increase job opportunities. One article I read outlined that the tech industry will grow 11% by 2029. All the more reason we need to encourage women to continue to pursue education and jobs in the tech industry. Although the numbers of women in technology have risen, they are still low, and it's projected that it could take up to 12 years before where women catch up in the industry. The most successful companies are the ones that approach the creation of technology and product with diverse teams who can view the product creation with different points of view and represent the diversity of the product. All the more reason why companies must continue to create an inclusive workforce. What's your opinion? I'd like to know. Reach out to me at mary at pathwayscg.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Tiffany Dufu, the um, founder and CEO of The Crew, which we will definitely talk about. It's an, it's a fairly new, couple of years old um, woman's organization that, that's different um, from the rest. And Tiffany is also the author of Drop the Ball. Um, I love that title, by the way, because I think, and we'll talk about the book as well, but reminding women that, you know, just not to be so perfect all the time. Um, we need that reminder. Um, one of the things I, I read that I that loved hearing was, you know, you, you did go off to college and you were going to be an English professor um, because you were such a good writer. And one day, I think this often happens, someone says something to us and it's one of those epiphanies. Um, a student said to you, you know, why, why are you taking that route? You really could be anything. And that stuck with you why do you think in that moment her saying that to you opened up your eyes to 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 new things it was such uh, i'm glad you used the word epiphany because i call them tiffany's epiphanies <laughs> um those, those <laughs> moments Perfect. that you have yeah. it yeah. was a two-part experience it was actually a mentor who first asked me why i was on the path i was on basically why was i going to be an english professor and it was so striking to me because I had an immediate answer, but as soon as the words fell out of my mouth, I realized how insufficient they were. When she asked that question, the first thing that I said was, well, I got good grades on my English papers. <laughs> and I yeah. thought, really, Tiffany? You, you, she's asking you this question about the trajectory of your life and your career and the decision <laughs> to go. And your answer is that 
a teacher gave you some good grades on an English paper. But the truth is that I had, I definitely am obsessed with words. Uh, I'm, I'm a bookworm. I've, I've always read from, you know, being immersed in my Sweet Valley High novellas. Fortunately, that same English teacher eventually gave me Toni Morrison, uh, which changed my life. So I certainly have a love of words, but I had never really reflected Susan, I had ne- I realized that I had never really stopped to think about what is the impact I could be making in the world. What are all of my gifts, talents, skills, and abilities? How can I apply them in some creative way? And it also was a Tiffany's epiphany because I realized that even though the world was very much open to me, meaning theoretically I was told that and I kind of understood that, that I was really following in the footsteps of what had been modeled to me. And strikingly, when I was growing up, I didn't know women who were anything other than a social worker, a nurse, or an educator, or a homemaker. And so I was going the education path and that really, that, thank you for, for, you know, reminding me of that moment because it sent me on a bit of a quest and a search mm-hmm. to figure out, well, what are my other options since I've never really contemplated any other ones. And it started with this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? Um, It's it's a very popular book. I read that. There was a career services office at the University of Washington. Um, I went there. I took some courses and eventually ended up going in in a different direction, but would not, certainly would not be an entrepreneur right now. I don't even know if I would be in New York right now. Who knows if it were for that one question that someone asked me. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because as young people, we, I don't know that, you know, we would reflect and go deep and think about ourselves if we weren't encouraged to do that by someone else. And that's why so many of us, you know, it comes later in life. So I think it's one of the best things we can do for our children, right, is to have them understand that they don't have to do what society tells them to do. Um. I wanted to talk to you also, you were the Associate Director of Development for Seattle Girls School, and we both know that one of the, you know, most difficult things is is fundraising and, and raising money, especially as an entrepreneur. What did you learn from that role um, about fundraising, and and what's the best way to go about that? Almost everything I learned from that role. More specifically, I learned it from from a specific person, which was Janie Williams. Uh, She is no longer with us, but she was an incredible philanthropist. Her father was the architect that designed the Space Needle in Seattle, and she was on the board of Seattle Girls School. When I started there, I had never had a formal fundraising position before, and she pulled me aside, uh, Miss. Janie after a board meeting and basically said, what's your name again? I said, my name is Tiffany. Um, She says, Tiffany, you're smart and you work really hard. I don't think I've ever seen a young person work so hard. She said, but honey, you don't know anything about raising money. She said, would you like to learn? And I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am, I would like to learn. And she said, okay. She says, in a couple days from now, she gave me the time, the place. She says, I want you to meet me here 
make sure that you wear a suit and just meet me outside and don't say anything during the meeting. I said, okay. So I showed up to my first meeting with Janie Williams. It was a meeting with a major donor, uh, another philanthropist in Seattle. And she started the meeting off by saying, this is Tiffany. She's a superstar. She's here to learn how to raise money. <laughs> that, was, wow. that was, that was, that was the introduction. And yeah. then I watched her weave a story. I watched her make a pitch and we did that for about three months. Basically, she asked me to meet her outside of every meeting that she went on. So I learned how to raise money from apprenticeship, from mentorship, from sponsorship, from watching uh, Janie Williams do it and probably learned the most that I've ever learned. Certainly raising money for a nonprofit organization and raising venture capital for a startup are two different things. And I've had to employ different skills, but fundamentally uh, the art of listening to someone, finding out what's important to them and aligning what it is that you're selling with what they want to do in the world or what, you know, the return on their investment will be for them is, is the art of fundraising. And I learned that from Janie Williams. Yeah. How wonderful to learn it at a young age, right? Because it carries into everything. We're going to go into our next break, and I'll be back with Tiffany Dufu, author, founder, and CEO of The Crew. And stay with us for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. In recognition of Mother's Day, I want to extend my warmest wishes to all of the moms out there. I have three grown children of my own, and I'm sure many of you can agree, motherhood is the most challenging yet rewarding job there is. Now, we've been accustomed to Mother's Day traditions like sending cards, buying flowers, since we can remember. But many people aren't aware of the holiday's roots and how the military had a crucial role in the day's significance. Mother's Day was established on May 10, 1908, when Anna Jarvis of Philadelphia sent 500 white carnations to Andrews Methodist Episcopal Church in her hometown of Grafton, West Virginia, in honor of her late mother, Anne. President Woodrow Wilson is usually seen as the father of Mother's Day for signing a proclamation on May 9, 1914, declaring the second Sunday of May a public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. But it wasn't until our nation entered World War I in 1917 that there was a renewed patriotic appreciation for the women who raised the soldiers on the front lines and also did their part on the home front, like holding fundraisers for the Red Cross, in cities filling jobs left vacant, and in rural America working in all areas of farming to counter severe food shortages. Mother's Day became an important day for Americans to recognize these women for their service. When General John J. Pershing, commander of the American Expeditionary Force in Europe during World War I, even encouraging their recognition, he said, I wish that every officer and soldier of the force would write a letter home on Mother's Day. This is a little thing for each one to do, but these letters will carry back our courage and our affection to the patriotic women whose love and prayers inspire us and cheer us on to victory. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt during World War II echoed this sentiment by saying, 
No sacrifices during the war have been more severe or born with more bravery and cheerfulness than the sacrifices of the mothers of America. So please take a moment not only to recognize the mothers in your life, but also the legacy of motherhood that has helped keep our nation moving forward in times of both war and peace. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Cheryl Mackey, Lead of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. As many of you listeners know, tax season is coming to an end May 17th. And I want to remind you of two things. One, the importance of the Earned Income Tax Credit, or EITC. The Earned Income Tax Credit is a benefit for working people with low to moderate income that the federal, state, and sometimes local government offers. It is designed to encourage people to work and to reduce poverty for families with children. It can increase the income of a minimum wage worker with two children to up to 40%. The benefits to receiving EITC are extensive and even includes positive health outcomes for women, children, and newborns. You may not be eligible to receive this tax credit, but you can be an advocate to get the word out to those who are. In the 2020 tax filing season, 30% of eligible tax filers did not receive this important credit. Let's make sure that 2021 yields a different result. My second reminder, with less than two weeks left to file your 2020 taxes, you can still access free tax preparation services available through United Way's partner, Campaign for Working Families. There are several options available to get your tax filed with Campaign. If you are needing to get your taxes filed, go to their website at www.cwf.com philly.org to learn how how you can get your taxes filed virtually, file in person, or drop off your taxes to be filed for return pickup. Additionally, there are several other services and resources available to you, like establishing a bank account if you are unbanked, perhaps due to prior banking challenges. They offer a second chance banking product. You can also receive free financial counseling coaching through United Way's partner Clarify, offered for anyone who gets their taxes filed through campaign. And you can inquire and apply for any of the 21 benefits you may be eligible for. So please take advantage of this resource and share the information with your network. I am Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I have with me this evening Tiffany Dufu, the author, founder, and CEO of The Crew. And uh, of course, we have to talk about your book. Um, I, I think writing a book is such a it's a big endeavor, and um, your book in particular, which really was about helping women um, have the ability to let go, and it, it reminded me of Ariana Huffington's um, kind of epiphany or awakening when when she was frantically working in her office and fell and hit her head and said, "What am I doing?" Um, I wondered if you had an experience or a moment that triggered your aspirations to write this book. Oh, absolutely. So many. Um, and I love Ariana, by the way. She's such an, she's someone who's really supported me. And uh, I completely believe in her Thrive model, including making sure that you're getting sleep so that you're not passing out and hitting your head. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, very important. Yeah. I used to be someone who was terrified of ever dropping a ball. It was a bad thing. It meant I was failing to take timely action. I was being irresponsible. I was disappointing people. Uh, in my case, as an African-American woman, I was disappointing the entire black race. That sounds so dramatic, but literally I'd think to myself, if I mess this up, they're never going to hire another black person again. Tiffany, you, you better get this right. And I had my drop the ball moment after the birth of my first child. By the way, I've spoken to hundreds of women over the years. It could be your drop the ball moment could be anything. It could be you finally got the promotion of your dreams and just realized it's harder to be the boss than you thought it was going to be, or it could be a diagnosis for many women this viral pandemic, the economic recession, anything could be your drop the ball moment. For me, it was the birth of my first child because that was the moment where I could no longer keep all of the balls in the air. The management of the home, being successful on the job, it just all came crashing. And my Tiffany's epiphany around drop the ball was that once all of the balls were rolling all over the floor, um, which I was always terrified would happen, I had the experience of Armageddon not hitting, meaning all of the things that I was always terrified would happen if I ever dropped a ball. None of those things actually happened when all the balls were rolling all over the floor. No one called to tell me they didn't love me anymore or they weren't going to be my friend anymore. Uh, the police didn't come and arrest me, which I always thought they would if I didn't move my car for alternate side parking in New York City. <laughs> uh, I was like, if I don't move a car, they're going to come and like read me my Miranda rights. Nobody came. I didn't get fired from my job. Uh, my husband didn't say, I'm going to divorce you. I mean, it just I was like, so I started wow. to really question why is it that I feel all of this pressure? And yes. that took me on this journey of really getting clear about what matters most to me, which I encourage women to do in the book, really figuring yeah. out what my highest and best use is instead of just saying yes to everything. But most right. importantly, really figuring out how do I meaningfully engage other people in my life to help me uh, in a way that is going to help me to create a life that I'm passionate about, but also help me to be a good role, you know, for them to be a good wife for them, to be a good manager for them, to be a good parent for them. Uh, and I've gone all the way from being an imaginary delegator, which is a very interesting dynamic where you expect people to do all these things, but you never actually tell them <laughs> what your expectations are <laughs> to having very clear, intentional conversations with people in my life about every six months about what they need from me, how I'm doing, getting feedback from them. And it's been amazing. So that's my drop the ball journey. And I, I wrote the book so that hopefully women don't have to take the three years that it took me <laughs> to figure out how to drop yeah. the ball. Um, but really it's a great book for women who have a lot on their plates, uh, and could use some support. And I encourage you to listen to it obviously, because a really busy woman probably doesn't have time to sit down and read a book. And it's also fun. It's a romantic comedy about how I got my, my dear husband off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm curious if those, you know, sometimes when we, um, we're all wired differently and you have that tendency to um, want to perform at your highest all the time, does that ever kind of creep back in for you, even though you're, you know, rationally aware that it's unrealistic? Um Absolutely. Because I, yeah, one of my questions was around that. I think that women in particular are overwhelmed with the idea that they have to make the world a better place. And how are they going to do that? And that's a lot of pressure. 
So when that creeps back in, what do you, how do you, what's your mantra for kind of reminding yourself that you're, you're just expecting too much I go, of yourself. Yes, it happens. I'm a recovering perfectionist. What can I say? Um, but as a drop the baller now, I have the ability to go back to the new job descriptions that I've curated for myself. So when I feel that feeling creeping in, I go back to my new job description for what it means to be a good mom. And I remind myself that my kids wanted me to make sure that I got the Christmas tree three weeks early instead of like the day before Christmas. They want me to make scones and my son really wants me to help him with his history this year. And if I do those three things, I'm an extraordinary mom and I can drop the ball on the rest. So that's why, you know, really renegotiating with yourself and the people in your life, what do they need from you? And what do you need in order for you to hit it out of the ballpark is really the key. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I um, We're going to go into another break. When we come back, I want to talk about your um, work with Sheryl Sandberg and how you ended up being on the team um, to launch Lean In. And, uh, you know, ironically, we're talking about, you know, leaning in too far or not leaning in enough. There's there's a balance there. So we'll get into that when we come back. Stay with us for our watch team, and I'll be back with Tiffany Dufu. Now the women to watch. Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner for your Legal Watch. Last week, I told Women to Watch listeners that the implications of the Chauvin trial would have wide-reaching effects on multiple legal facets in our nation. One unprecedented development was the live streaming. Every moment from jury selection to verdict reading was available in real time to anyone who cared to tune in. A major player in making that happen was my law partner, Lita Walker. She hosted a webinar on Friday along with the senior managing editor and vice president of the Star Tribune, Suki Dardarian, senior counsel for the New York Times, Dana Green, senior field producer for Court TV, Grace Wong, and the commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Corrections, Paul Schnell. Chuck Tobin moderated. On the webinar, they unpack the events of the weeks leading up to the verdict, from the triumph of having a live stream trial to the unrest while the trial was in progress to the ongoing efforts by media to obtain juror names and trial exhibits, along with camera access in future trials. The public and the press have a First Amendment right to attend criminal trials, with few exceptions, but the law isn't yet definitive on extending that right to audiovisual devices. In fact, over the past several decades, it's been a topic of hot debate, and in Minnesota, no cameras are allowed unless the state, the prosecutors, and the defendant all agree to allow them. Certainly in this case, the pandemic played a significant role in that decision. There's so much information here. I strongly encourage you to go to ballardsbar.com and watch the recording of the webinar. It's free and it's important. This is Nicole Hittner at Ballard Spar with your Legal Watch. Coming up next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. The one mindset tool that is a game changer for your career and frankly for your life is the thought model because your thinking is driving everything in your life. It's creating your feelings, your actions, your results. So you need to know what you're thinking. Meditation is a mindset practice to help you clean up your thinking or calm your thinking. But I've never been one that could just sit down and meditate for hours and hours. But I can sit and watch my brain think. And I can be in that space of recognizing my own thinking. So in order to go into that observer mode, we have to separate ourselves from our mind to watch what, our, what we're thinking, to be more conscious of our thoughts. And why is that important? Because what we decide to think, what we think about, the conscious thoughts that go through our head are completely within our control. Most of us have never been taught to witness our own thoughts and decide 
what thoughts are true, to notice thoughts are not facts and that thoughts are choices. The thought model mindset strategy solves so many problems and you can learn all about it now and how to apply it in my new online leadership 3.0 course. It's a mental fitness bootcamp. Check it out at pjgray.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm with Tiffany Dufu. And, um, you know, Tiffany, you've really had some exciting jobs throughout your career and had the opportunity to meet some wonderful, I'll say notable people, men and women. And um, one of them was Cheryl Sandberg. And and you were on the team um, to launch Lean In. And of course, I always think about her. I launched this show in 2012, and about a couple months later, her book came out. And I thought, wow, you know, that's really something to talk about. So first, I was curious how how you ended up there working with her. Um, And then I also wanted to to find out, you know, what surprised you the most in meeting Gloria Steinem? Because she's obviously a pioneer when it comes to women's issues. Well, one of the things I mentioned was my experience with Jeannie Williams. I am literally the cumulative investment of women who have passed me from one woman to the next. So when I moved to Boston, Jeannie said, go find Lois Lindauer. You tell her I sent you. When I moved from Boston to New York, Lois said, you go find Marie Wilson at the White House Project, tell her that I sent you. Marie sent me to Gloria, um, who I call Auntie Gloria. Marie also introduced me to Cheryl, who was a supporter of our work at the White House Project to train women to run for public office. So, you know, my journey has been one in which women have seen me and have invested in me, have uh, given me really tough jobs, some of which, you know, I might have failed at and they might have raked me over the coals, but they kept pushing me. Um, and so that, that's been my journey. I really, so Cheryl had been a supporter of the White House project, and I really believe in the idea of encouraging women to curate their own journeys. Remember, my parents had taught me that if you want something you've never had before, you have to do something you've never done before in order to get it. Uh, And I feel really lucky that I've got to sit at the feet of women who have been there, who have done that, and that they've invested in me, and that they've gotten a good return on their investment uh, also. Right. Um, listen, we, we, I want to make sure we talk about the crew. Um, tell us what, you know, in, in the arena of women's empowerment and leadership, there's a lot of groups out there. Um, we mentioned Thrive, Elevate, Chief. What makes crew different? And how is it doing right now financially? Yes. So um, the crew is an early stage startup. We are venture backed. We're very focused, um, first of all, on women in the middle. So we're very focused on women who are mid-career. By the way, I'm a member of everything, uh, including Chief and Elevate. I'm a lifetime Girl Scout. What can I say? Um, um, (laughs) um, But it really is for women who want to diversify their network, who want to develop meaningful 
meaningful relationships and who want to realize their life goals. So I would say that is really the centerpiece of the crew is that we, you apply and we match you with seven other women. You decide what you want to achieve in your life and you upload that into a digital goal tracking tool. And your crew is your accountability system. You meet with them on a monthly basis. And so it's all about collaborating through a model called crew coaching to support one another in realizing your goals. So the crew is much more like a, oh, I don't know, a Weight Watchers, but for any of your goals um, uh, than, than anything. But it's really for women who want to meet people who they would not have otherwise met, who really don't have the bandwidth to do a bunch of networking. We take the work out of networking, but ultimately who want to thrive. You know, I think it's um, a really unique model to, to have women be able to um, zone in on a group that really is going to be beneficial to whatever their goals are. Because sometimes I think it can be overwhelming. Um, you're, you, you're belonging to a lot of different groups, but for different reasons. So, um, you know, I, I wish you continued success, Tiffany. And I thank you so much for being with me on the show. And I hope you'll stay in touch. Thank you so much, Susan. That is it for another week of Women to Watch. Next week, I'll be joined by Dr. Ruth Goshen, professor and researcher at Wheel Cornell Medicine. Stay uh, tuned for that and have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.